Welcome back to the Women Who Roar podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Yana Woolison. Yana is a branding strategist, graphic designer, and host of the Esther Rising podcast, where she hosts a safe space for women who have experienced trauma and overcome hardships to share their stories. As a woman who herself has experienced trauma and abuse, Yana believes there's no shame in where you've been and redemption in where you are now. One of the things I love about Yana is how she's vulnerably shared each step of her healing story as she's going through it. And this episode was no different. In this episode, we talk about what has driven her cyclical attraction to toxic partners, the role alcohol plays in bonding and dysfunction, and how attachments from our family of origin influence what we pick romantically. We also cover the very vulnerable topics of sexual abuse within partnered relationships, the journey to pregnancy and motherhood as a single woman, and what dating looks like thrown into the mix with those, as well as the interaction of the spiritual realm with toxic choices. We do talk about faith in this episode, and if that is uncomfortable for you, I encourage you to give this a listen anyway. Yana used to practice a New Age faith, and we both walk out our faiths in a very mystical way that I think anyone with this spirituality appreciates. In this episode, Yana shares from a place of still navigating healing from a recent or at the time ongoing toxic relationship. I'm really excited to share a story like this because I think there's something so powerful in experiencing the process of someone fleshing out the difficulties of healing in real time and not just looking back on how they did it. I think it taps into a deeper emotional place within us, the listeners, and it can often lead to deeper healing in us as well. In fact, this is a really similar approach to the style I take in my book, which is about the process of healing more than the reflection back on healing. Although Yana was limited in what she was able to share during this interview for the safety of herself and her daughter, I will give an update on Yana at the end, so make sure to keep listening for that. Okay, enough hearing me talk. Let's dive in. Yana, thank you so much for joining me today. I always enjoy our conversation, so I'm super excited for today's combo. I am so happy to be here. I'm so excited. Good. A little bit nervous because I feel like a lot of things, because obviously I wrote notes, but I feel like a lot of things are going to just come up that people need to hear. So excited. Yeah. I guess excited, nervous. <laughs> Every conversation has been like that because obviously it's a vulnerable topic that we're covering. But every conversation, things kind of just naturally flow and come up in a way that is really good and healing. So I'm excited too. Mm-hmm. That being said, let's just jump in and give us a little bit of information, just some background about your toxic relationship history. I think like the the main theme that has come through a lot of different relationships is just there's always a part of substance abuse and substance abuse related like arguments being disrespected and when I say arguments like it's not just the other person but also like me feeding into the arguments and then they explode to certain level where it's just really destructive and so it's definitely been like things even like way back when I was way younger like one of my boyfriends got handcuffed by police people on the street after going to the club so so, and I feel like I just also keep picking people that have the same tendency but also I would say even if the substance is not involved I'm also picking people that just have a temper so I feel like that's more so maybe currently happening where I'm just like met with this like energy where I I don't even know what to do with it because in the moment you're a bit like paralyzed when they just freak out on you for no reason 
And, uh, and I think the other like more important thing is just for me to not have enough self-respect to really stand up for myself and put the boundaries in place or remove myself from the situation fast enough. So it just, I feel like I'm just getting like dragged along to be honest. And that is, that is totally like, I mean, obviously the other person has part to play in it, but it's also up to me to say, okay, like this is enough. I deserve more and I don't deserve this. So um, I'm very aware that, that I play a part. So I guess this is like a disclaimer where to even go into this. This is not about just pointing fingers at all the other people that I've been in relationships with. And because there's always two people, like you can't have arguments or like things that don't work without two people. And so I am fully aware that I'm the one that like it's broken in a place and feeds into their abuse. And like that is like somewhat addicted to that dysfunction. So, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's what creates the toxic dance is I think brokenness and ice gets attracted to toxic behaviors and then we're off. So there's a lot of interesting pieces in what you said. One was that there seems to be kind of this recurrent attraction to somebody either with a substance abuse issue or a temperament of a substance abuser. If you could kind of describe the toxic dance of what that looks like with initial re- attraction and then progressing into relationship, what does that look like? I think, we, okay, well, now, I mean, now I'm saved and I'm walking with Jesus, so I don't go out partying and drinking the same way, but I feel like, but I still actually have inclinations in a sense, like with my partner, like on like a friend, like having that best friend level. There's, there's a want in me to be like, oh, like, let's go out together. Let's dance. Let's have fun. Let's have like this sexy time in the club, you know, like dancing together to like our song. And it's just like, there's, I love that. But like, I mean, I would probably still go do that as a Christian, but just without the alcohol component. So I think when I first start dating people, we always, that's the thing that we would do is like go out together, party together, drink together. And then it's just obviously also under like, intoxications you do a bunch of other things that you probably shouldn't do on the first date so yeah I think that's it just the like pure intent of just having fun with the person and being close and like intimate having a special moment just gets mixed up in like the messiness of like adding alcohol to the situation and how do you see the alcohol amplifying the toxic behaviors is that just when most arguments would happen or Uh, definitely in a yeah, definitely. And like in one of my relationships, for sure, there was so like well, basically all of our arguments were always happening when one or the other or both were intoxicated. And obviously you have no, you are not thinking clear. Plus your temper is like way. And you know how people say like, OK, like either when you're drunk, you get like tired or you get angry. And I feel like I always pick the people that get angry hmm. when they're when they're drunk and I'm the one that gets tired. So, yeah, just. Probably like there were probably arguments about like, I don't know, me being insecure about some girl at the club while we were at the club where like, oh my God, you looked at this woman, whatever. And then I pick an argument like that and then it just like gets blown out of proportion and then it ends up with like him throwing vacuums or chairs, like just that type. And then I guess currently it's more like, I don't know, he comes home is or was, I guess like he has kind of stopped drinking comes home I can literally smell he smells like a bar I'm like why do you do that and then it's just don't talk to me like this don't tell me this so yeah that's mostly what it looks like do you feel like in your past relationships kind of 
alcohol was also part of making you feel bonded for sure for sure and also like like confident for myself because I actually I wrote that down as like notes for like another question that you have planned but I feel the thing from my childhood that just keeps coming up and me understanding where this function is happening in my relationships too is just the lack of confidence in myself so obviously alcohol break like breaks off that like that barrier of not feeling confident so you just you know like you're more cheeky and you just the conversation flows better but then also on the negative side it just because you're not thinking straight you're not giving like meeting a new person like any time like you're just jumping like straight in without thinking about let me actually get to know this person before I like end up sleeping with this person on the first date like that is just bad <laughs> yeah and that makes sense and the reason I asked that is because I feel like you know someone throws a chair at you and you're sober that's kind of an awkward thing to come back from but if you have that moment of you know we're just gonna go out we're gonna party we're gonna have a couple of drinks even I think most people aren't usually planning to get super intoxicated just kind of you start drinking and one after another and there's this sense of bonding that happens so it, that it's almost as if the alcohol is driving your bonding and also your dysfunction mm-hmm. for sure you mentioned the lack of confidence though yes that was a question i wanted to ask you it sounds like this pattern has started when you were younger so what are some things that you felt like drive that or drove that or what was different about you when you first started dating that you feel like kind of started you off in this pattern i just you know what just came to my mind was like my first ever or i guess more serious relationship in high school which was like i might think my first like one and a half year two-year relationship which like that is also like very long for like being 15 years old in high school but i actually didn't pick that person myself that's a really like weird story but we were on a like i guess a class field trip and Somebody had found out that somebody was really interested in me. So they actually locked us in a room and were like, why don't you guys just talk? Like, you'll figure it out. Like, you'll be a couple. Like, I can see it. Like, that, that's really weird. First of all, like, you don't do this kind of thing. But obviously, I didn't really like, I mean, obviously, I wasn't happy, but I wasn't really questioning it or like demanding, like, open the door or whatever. And so literally after the period, we became a couple because I just, I didn't pick from like a place of self-worth. I was like, oh, like, at least like this one person likes me so like he likes me so i'm gonna just say yes i'm gonna just get into this relationship what in the world <laughs> so that just really shows that from literally from the beginning of dating i never knew what my worth was and so like the lack of security and confidence in self just it's just such an emptiness where you need you you'll just take any validation you accept like the smallest measure of affection as this is what love is supposed to be this is what a relationship is supposed to be and also the lie of and it's like it's currently happening but it also like happened in the past with the relationships that would go up and down with like arguments and things oh like real love like is hard work like it'll be ups and downs all the time and that is i mean yes relationships take work but i think that is also such a deception that i need to get out of yeah and yeah, yeah. I, it's interesting because I, I wrote a little bit about that, actually a decent amount of that in my book, Getting Love Bond and how it was coming. It really, when I met my toxic significant other, it came off of the heels of 
just a long period of trauma and a lot of rejection and I had no healing time. And then someone comes in and you're, you know, the best thing that's ever happened and you're effectively on a pedestal. And it's really hard to not feel attached to people in situations like that. Do you feel like there were things from your childhood or your growing up that shaped that lack of confidence? Oh, for sure. It's and I'm working on the forgiveness still because she's my mom. But it has also to do with, with my relationship with my mother. And I'm also I'm this such an interesting season of being very mindful of what I give names and what I'm calling certain things because you're also then claiming that this is what it is and that there is no possibility of it changing. However, I, I do know that she has some um, narcissistic tendencies or personality traits. I wouldn't say she's a narcissist because she was never diagnosed or anything or therapy or anything. However, the way I was raised was a very reward and punishment system. And she was also emotionally not very regulated. So I just like have so many memories of my mom being really upset with like me or my dad or with something and she would just storm out the door, leave. I don't know when she's coming back. So there is a there's a fear of abandonment, fear of rejection for sure. But then also because I was in competition dance and everything was about how well you performed as a child, like in school, how you dress, how good you dance, because then she can use those things like, look at my children, look how amazing my children are when she's like talking to neighbors, when she's talking to customers at work, when she's talking to family members, just like my kids, my kids are the best. And so there was always this pressure to perform. And but then at the same time, she would criticize you so much. Right. So there was so much criticism. So like you were always just it's just all these seeds like planted in your mind, like still to this day. I'm insecure about how my neck looks because she would always say like, you have so many wrinkles on your neck. Like, why isn't your neck more like somebody else's on my dance team? Like, what? That is crazy. <laughs> what? <laughs> so it's just over time. And if you're obviously not aware of that, this is what's happening. You take all these things this person is saying as this is the truth about you. And actually in a conversation just the other day with another woman, she was saying, you know, I can, who's also a woman of God, she's like, I can see how you've claimed all these identities and all these things of, of you, like over you, just like how you look, who you are. She's like, this is not who God called you to be. That's not the name he's giving you. Like you need to, you need to just listen to his truth. And I think very much that's where, like, I have to work on like my mental space so much. It's just, there's, it's like, there's, you look like a hoarder's house. It's just like hoarded. Like just things people have spoken over you, even in arguments, right? Because people call you insane and crazy and lost and all these things. And you, you deep down, you know, you're like, no, actually, no, mm -hmm. I'm actually not the crazy one here. Like I could see who's actually acting crazy right here. But yeah, I guess I'm just like thankful that God is renewing my mind to a place where like it's just getting filled with his truth about me. And what, how does he see me and how, how did he create me? And just all the things that are right with me, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I think I was talking to sharing a little bit about the science of this the other day, how people who get stuck in toxic relationships, especially toxic relationship cycles, usually have a history of a caretaker that is sometimes there and sometimes not because we learn to crave when we're there and try and modulate our behavior to keep them there. And people with toxic or narcissistic traits love people who are willing to change their behavior to secure love 
love in air quotes. And then it becomes a bit of an addiction cycle because we feel safe when we get that love affirmation. But then we are constantly working to try and get it. And then we get this insane dopamine rush. Mm -hmm. I think the really good classic example, you also talked about kind of the words sticking in your head. Mm -hmm. There is another aspect of things that stick and that would be physical trauma in mm-hmm. romantic relationships and i know this is something you've talked about before mm-hmm. if you feel comfortable you have shared before in the past about uh, experiencing physical and sexual abuse in toxic romantic relationships and i just want to hear a little bit more about your perspective on that your experience on that for women who have experienced that as well and maybe not even recognized it was abnormal at first mm-hmm. i think that is the, i think that's the main part of it is for me the the lines were so blurred like I couldn't see like what he was doing was actually not okay because when you're in a relationship all of a sudden you you just think that okay and the I I belong like I somewhat belong to this person like this person somewhat has like a claim on me and a claim on my body and a claim on like what we're doing and when we're doing it and so all these like episodes would always just have like I would always just be asleep to be honest so during like daytime like there wasn't that much of like affection like being exchanged and so it would just be I don't know me sleeping over but I would go to bed like way before he would go to bed but then he would come into bed and he would just like start touching me and then would start having intercourse with me where I was like still kind of like hazy kind of out of it but then I was like okay well I guess I mean it's not like he's like forcefully doing it, but he's still doing it without being fully conscious and coherent of what is happening. But again, in that moment, I was just like, okay, well, you know, it's a relationship. Like, this is kind of what you do. But it then just came to the point where he was just disregarding me saying, okay, first of all, I'm not on birth control. I don't, I'm not using any, like, I'm not using any contraceptive. So you need to actually go out, you need to go buy condoms if you want to continue this because I don't want to get pregnant like you can't do that Mm -hmm. but that was disregarded like continually and he would just continue the like prior actions and so that obviously felt like okay I'm completely being disrespected in my boundaries and my wishes and you're going against like my bodily like like you're not keeping my bodily autonomy and I'm not either because in the moment I would still just kind of comply I didn't really stand up for myself or say okay like this is really not okay because I don't know men are stronger taller whatever like you don't want to like set off the person or like put yourself in that even worse position of like them being like forcefully made to do it so if you just comply in that moment and it's still like the regular like you cannot call this love making but like having intercourse that's probably better than somebody forcing like forcefully like doing it and so that obviously continued until I accidentally then got pregnant because there was no protection. But then just realizing all of that behavior, plus there was just like multiple other things just that were such red flags. But I was, again, like I was not in a place where I was healed or understood what I'm worth, what I want, what a healthy relationship should look like. So things like he would be his dog. Hmm. Who beats their dog? So that's that's not normal. Yeah. Like, that's not normal, right? And yeah, just even like how he's treating other people, like that was 
even so random. We went for food once. There was a family sitting right beside us and their child was like yelling at the dinner table. He's like, if my child ever does this, I'm going to whoop them in front of all these people like right here on the floor. So they will never do it again. I'm like, this is probably not somebody I would want to parent with. Right. right. But it just, it actually took other people like to like for me to like go over like the entire like relationship and like talk everything through. And it took actually having other people telling me, yo, this is not not correct. None of the things he's doing is normal. And and then just hearing them like basically like regurgitate like everything I told them, I then started to create this like little bit of like fear for this person. Like I was like, okay, like this person actually doesn't make me feel safe. And so that was like how I actually like got out of it. I just like came to a point where I just started fearing that person because just how crazy that person was acting. And I was like, I don't know what this person's capable of. Right. Yeah. And with I, I think some something that can make it difficult to get stuck in those things is a lot of times the abusive behaviors come in romantic packaging. I want to have sex with you because I love you or the emotional version of that, you mm-hmm. know, I want you to spend all your time with me and not with anybody else because I'm just so obsessed with you. And so we don't always see it as a red flag at first. And then I think we can get to this point where we feel like we're the only person who understands them. Yes, they do this crazy thing, but they also have this really nice quality and nobody else sees that. And so it can take a long time to really get ready to get unmeshed. With this relationship you're talking about, do you feel like you wanted to stay or you were too afraid to leave no i wanted to leave because i just some of the things that other people were pointing out were the also like narcissistic personality traits and then that was actually the first actually i didn't realize that my mom had traits like that until i was in that relationship with that person because i was like i don't know what narcissistic personality what does that even mean so then i started researching right and then i went into this whole of like and then i was like okay narcissistic personality traits like those people they actually know what they're doing like they actually know that they're doing the wrong things and how they're manipulating people what they're doing but they're doing it because there's no emotional like compass that tells them this is incorrect and that i was like this is like borderline psycho like psychopath this person could murder me and this person could not care that they just murdered me yeah and so that fear that like came from that research that is actually what drove me out like combined with other people being like no 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 like this is not this is not a good person like you need to leave right now and do you think it was easier to heal from the physical sexual trauma or the emotional trauma the physical interesting because i feel like the the i think the like we really underestimate like how deep the mental like you know because it starts so early in childhood so i think it's just such a deep pool that needs so much uprooting like there's so much but once you like figure out how to do it, you know how like your brain actually forms new, I don't know what it's called, but like new, con- yeah. new, new connections. Yeah. 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 So I think the physical is just faster because it's like physically, like it's physically like something you can, I don't know, because like the mental, you can't see it, right? It's so, you know, like a thing that you can't see and it's so subconscious. It's so like autopilot. It feeds into like old triggers, into old belief systems. And just, it's so, I just got this picture. It's just like this, like, this forest like this kind of like mystical forest of like all these like dark dirty secrets you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah 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 i think it attaches to trauma and i i this is one of the reasons i wanted to do this series is because i think you know when you're in a toxic relationship 
the behaviors seem really romantic at first, but what we don't realize is they are designed. And sometimes I think it's coming from a place of trauma in the other person and they generally 100% do. But their idea of love is to systematically dismantle you of any control. So all of the control goes to them. And we just don't realize it. So mm-hmm. it's really important to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the healing, I want you to kind of mention your faith a couple times. And I know that is a big piece, has been a big piece of your healing. Also, interestingly, every single person I've interviewed, I believe, has had some type of faith twist, which was not something I planned, but it's just really interesting how that well, thought was good. Yeah. And I think you're a really good person for people to relate with because you were a very spiritual person before and you're still a very spiritual person, but you were practicing different types of spirituality. So I'm curious how your faith transition impacted your relationship history. That's a huge one because God is still overhauling and actually currently mm-hmm. just learning everything about how God sees relationship, how much he actually, how sacred relationship actually is to him. And and I think in general, we just make this mistake. Obviously, it depends if you're a believer or not, but your creator is who created relationship. So for relationship advice, like, how, I mean, sure, therapy is great, but why are we not going who created relationship in the first place to understand how he would like it to look and how when you are in the relationship, how you're going about the relationship, like your advice should come from, should come from God of like how to treat people, how to treat yourself. And it was actually because everything for me kind of collided because I got pregnant right before, literally like a month before I got baptized. And so God was already changing my mind about things and he was very he was like listen I don't want you to I don't want you to date in a certain way I don't want you to be in a relationship in a certain way if it's outside of covenant and I don't want you to try and have children outside of covenant I want you to listen to me when I tell you it's the right time I don't want you to do stuff on your own account anymore and obviously when you're in culture you're just you do what culture does right so culture is like so pressured it's so stressed it's like you have to be married by this point like you have to have a house you have to have children at this point da 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 and so there is a lot of pressure even when it comes to like dating like you're like, like speed dating you're like trying to find the one because you're like oh my god i'm gonna miss out i'm not gonna find them i'm not gonna like have all these things and whatever because you're not trusting in god's timing and you're not trusting in that god's gonna according to his will give you a husband a house and a child children like you can trust that, right? And so, yeah, he was very. But it's just because the t- just how the timing lined up with me becoming pregnant and getting baptized and actually walking with Jesus, it was too late, right? So now I have to walk out what it looks like to have a child outside of covenant and what does that mean? And he's definitely. I'm currently going through fast and like he's very, again like same convictions, but just you know how like. The little voice, it's like the more you ignore it, the louder it gets. It's just like, and he's like, he's like, listen, like you need to, like you need to listen to me. You can't do these things outside of covenant. And it's even down to every single detail, like not just don't have a, don't, don't have intercourse before marriage. Don't have a, don't like live with some, like literally like don't live with somebody unless you're married to that person. Because there's so much, there's so much in the spiritual realm that we don't understand that actually 
has an influence on that. And because the covenant with God of like marriage is like, that's your protection, right? You're under the protection of God. Everything you do outside of God and without him is sin. And so you're separated from him. And every time you sin, you give the enemy a foothold in your life in certain ways, right? So for example, like if you're not under covenant and you're in a relationship, there will probably be more disharmony and more disunity because the enemy's just in there, like planting seeds, doing things, using you, manipulating you. And so I just, at this point, I can't ignore God anymore because he's repeating it. This is like a year later, right? I got baptized a year ago. So like he's saying it again, listen, I do not want you to do stuff without me telling you to do it. Yeah. So I just am coming to this conclusion that anything that I'm doing outside of his will is just destruction to myself. And I've like experienced it in so many ways. Yeah. Well, I want to give like the explanation for um, people who don't know. So Yana, or that you have a history of a strong new age practice. And the reason why we talk about, and we've had other conversations on your podcast about the new age. And the reason it, we talk about our faith is we've both had a lot of spiritual experiences and we've had interactions with the spiritual realm so that we understand that there is a very real spiritual realm. That's what we often see operating with the power of the new age, but there's a greater power and a more personal and more loving power in a walk with Jesus, which is why we talk about that. With that, do you feel like your new age practice when you were in that attract, like played into what you kept attracting at all? I don't think so much what I was attracting, but the way I was operating in it, because there was one particular situationship and it was just like a dragged on thing for like six months. And because I didn't just read like what it said, like on the on the packaging was literally, I'm kind of obsessed with you, but I don't want the real deal with you, though. I just want to enjoy some time with you, but I don't want the real thing. And I didn't read that label. And so while I was in New Age, I was just so confused because this person would give me a little bit, leave, give me a little bit, leave. And I would just like try to like decipher like his text messages or whatever, just like completely lost and like not understanding that really like he was just somebody to sleep with and he was kind of obsessed with me but he was also heartbroken and he wasn't ready for nothing and I would then go to psychic and like intuitives and whatever and like I would have like them tap into me and tap into him and be like oh like you know like this is how he really is this is how he really feels he loves you so much but he's so afraid just give him time yo you know how long like six six months of like just like sitting waiting for him to like burst burst the door down and be like, I love you. Like, waiting, I was waiting for nothing. You know what I mean? And like, I think that is that like that delusion, deception, that's definitely in the new age. Doesn't matter what you're visiting a psychic or intuitive for. It's just keeping you in this delusion that like something's going to shift soon. Like it's going to, everything's going to sh- like change soon, but like literally nothing's coming. Like you're waiting for absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. You get a brand karma power and then it evaporates. Yeah you and it's just enough breadcrumb to keep you waiting for the next outpouring of power yeah i think what we're talking about in the mystical walk with jesus is that there is this he actually wants you to be operating in power all of the time although i will say for people who call themselves christians and are waiting romantically i think they can actually operate in a very similar spirit but with a a faith packaging (laughs) so i think if your heart is not healthy and your heart is not right 
then you can actually be having faith in air quotes that somebody's going to change when that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then can you briefly say something on soul wounds? Because I think soul wounds are created through trauma and they keep us reattracting trauma. And they're very much related to the spiritual realm. Yeah. I actually wanted to say that I just call them familiar spirits. You basically, you're just going to attract one of my, somebody from church that I've been walking with and like she also has, she also come from New Age Jesus. She has been really, really helpful in my walk and just such a powerful prayer woman. And she, she spoke to me actually after I came out of the relationship that was sexually abusive. She said to me, you need to listen. You have, you have these wounds in your soul, right? And the enemy doesn't want those souls to heal up. So he's going to keep bringing you things that keep tearing it open while Jesus is like trying to like close those wounds. And if you don't give yourself enough time, you're just going to attract the same thing over and over and over again because the enemy knows exactly where you're weak and he's going to send you something that goes at that weakness. And yeah, so you call them familiar spirits. And so, you know, when people say, okay, like we trauma bonded because like we both have the same history of like abandonment from like a caregiver, right? So you both feed off of each other being super, super independent. Like you you label and you cover it as you're really independent people. You're both super busy. You're both working so hard. You're working on your both separate things. And then if you find a little bit of time, you then are going to spend that time together. But then else we're doing everything separate, right? So you're just like affirming each other's like, oh, like if I have like something more important to do, like I have to go do that and I'm not going to care about what you need in the moment, right? Or if that person's super upset and what do they do when they're upset? They just like, they eject, like leave, right? And then you just abandon and then you're back in the same like cycle of like, oh, but when that person com- comes back and gives me a little bit of love, like, or then you, like you said earlier, just in a place where you feel like you constantly like have to do something to earn their love and make sure that they stay so that they don't leave and you then feel abandoned. So it's almost like a trauma bond, but it's driven by spirits who yeah. want to keep you in a bond. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the, the unequally yoked, right? Like two. So, um, but yeah, familiar spirits, go look it up. Watch some YouTube videos. It'll explain yeah. a lot. My last question for you is dating. We're both 30s and beyond and dating like hopeful dating in that age period and if you at all want to share dating during you know dating with with motherhood in the picture you know what are some words of hope for people listening do i give like a believer answer or like a secular whatever you know i think i do have an audience who i mean i have an audience i think who's not who's both and I really think that we're all spiritual beings craving a spiritual experience. And if you're not a believer, but you're spiritually hungry, you just haven't realized that right. there's a loving force running after you. So anyway, whatever. Um, I, I definitely think, okay, so before Christ, I definitely feel like I was just like hurrying to find someone, right? Like settle down. No matter how broken you are, I would just like, like you're going to miss the mark. Like you, you need to speed date. You need to be on all the dating apps. You need to go on dates constantly. And again, like coming just like from like this empty place too, just like not wanting to sit with self and actually reflect, actually heal and fully understand like, what am I actually looking for? And what does that person need to be like for me to actually be able to like build something with? Mm-hmm. And before I would definitely also say like, I was like in this like mindset of there's just no good people out there. Like, 
where is like the proper man for me? But now when I'm walking with the Lord, it's just more, I leave everything in his hands because he, he knows who my husband is. Like he knows what's, he, he knows what's in my heart. Like he knows all of the deep desires. Like he knows me so well. He knows everything that makes me joyful, that makes me happy, that lights me up, that I'm passionate about. Like he knows what his calling for my life is. So he will have somebody that pulls all that out and like accelerates it and make like amplifies it right and so I just think it's not worth to date just for the sake of dating I would just say believe it or not like just spend time with yourself to get to a place of wholeness because you're going to make the best choices and best decisions in choosing a partner out of wholeness and you're not rushing out of fear to find somebody and like out of yeah, like out of brokenness. I think that's the perfect answer because I think for people who are believers in Jesus, there actually is a lot of that pressure that they feel. There's almost this, I am having an episode on toxic religion, but there is this pressure that if you're not married, there's something wrong with you. You're not really recognized. You can't break in the community. So there is that pressure. And then I think, you know, one thing I share on a lot of podcasts that I talk on is you don't have to believe in God to hear from God. So if you're feeling that pressure and you don't believe in God or any of the things we said, you can still say, I need you to show up for me in this way and watch what happens. I promise yeah. that will happen. Yeah. But anyway, I feel like we just barely scratched the surface of a lot of interesting topics that you talk about, a lot of new age and spiritual dynamics, a lot of relationship dynamics. So you have a lot of cool projects going on. So where can people find you. I actually started my new podcast, Esther Rising, where I have shared my New Age to Jesus testimony. And there will be a few more interviews as well with people that have similar testimonies that are just a little bit more, I guess, like diverse in the New Age practices so that we can cover just like more ground, I guess. And I also have, like for this year, I actually, okay, so funny enough, God actually gave me the vision for this podcast like two years ago. And I kind of diverted from the initial vision because I was like, oh, like my new age to Jesus testimony is so much more important. There's so much more current. I need to focus on that. But he's now redirecting me back to like what he had originally said. And so there's going to be a lot of powerful conversations with women that just just to break the silence around certain topics like abortion, sexual abuse, because I just want to help facilitate setting women free because there's so much spiritually that comes with all these things where women are just like in bondage and they don't realize it. And so the podcast is called Esther Rising. You can find it on all the platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcast. And then probably most active on my Instagram, my real New Age Should Jesus. Jesus is so good. It's, I think, almost at 34K. I wake up every morning with like endless, endless likes and comments on that reel. And it just makes me so happy like i love wake i obviously and then i now love waking up to my instagram opening and be like jesus it's just so good he's so on it so good but yeah my instagram is j-a-n-a period w-o-l-l-e and i'll i'll link it all to you yeah yeah i really think people i i just love your story and i really encourage people to go check it out because i think when people talk about jesus sometimes it can feel like people are talking at you instead of talking to you and everything you share is from a firsthand experience on all those difficult topics that you just mentioned you're going to have. You're talking from a firsthand experience and you have 
you were pretty powerfully operative in the new age. You've had all of these, you know, these experiences that you talk about. And so it's not just the new age. It's a lot of different topics where you actually are talking to people and not at them. So I encourage everyone to go check those out. Yeah. Yeah. And the last project that is like it's in the works and it's definitely more like a further down in the future. But it like that project God had given me along with the vision for the podcast. So I'm actually working on a coaching program for women that have experienced trauma. So it's going to kind of connect with the podcast at some point. But yeah, further down the road. Yay. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I know your story is going to impact a lot of people. And thank you. Since this episode was recorded, there have been a lot of changes in Yana's life. She can now safely share that there was physical abuse in the relationship she was in at the time of recording that kept getting worse. She made the brave and difficult decision to choose the safety of herself and her daughter and leave the relationship. Donna and Baby now have a safe place to live and disconnecting from abuse has helped Yana recognize that she was dating a narcissistic personality that was controlling, manipulative, and abusive. It also helped her recognize that she has a personal pattern of trauma bonding that she is seeking counseling for. She thanks her relationship with Jesus for giving her the courage to leave this unsafe situation, report her ex to the police, and is continuing to walk through the healing process with Jesus. She will share more about this story on her podcast, Esther Rising Soon. So make sure to subscribe to that podcast so you don't miss it. Stories like Yana's are the reason this podcast exists. By sharing these stories, we can help other women spot the red flags and get to safety. Please support this mission by rating and subscribing to this podcast, buying a copy of Losing You, Finding Me from Amazon, or using the links in episode notes, and sharing both of these resources. Until next week.